and welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast, the most insulting podcast in the business. I am joined today by special guest Stephen. Cab- uh, I can't pronounce your name. It's Cavuso. <laughs> I am joined by Stephen Cavuso of Cloud. I love it. That's great. Get the absurdity right off of the bat. That's right. Nice. All I'm going to have is absurdity because that's all I'm good at. Excellent. Yeah, uh, my wife. Would you excel at? I do. Ex- I, I believe I excel at absurdity. Uh, I think the thing I say to my wife most often is when she looks at me is I'm not crazy. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to stick with it until I get somewhere. But anyway, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being understanding about the time pushback. Uh, St. Louis, a stupid commuter city got stupid wrecks. So no problem. And I'm, I'm happy to be here and and uh, if I can understand anything, it's traffic jams and pain in the ass driving. So I think everyone's sympathetic about that. Uh, a good friend of mine is actually from, as he puts it, Chicago, as I put it, the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and the first year he moved here, he got stuck in a traffic jam in front of our busiest mall. And he laughed because he was out of it in 15 minutes. Right. So I guess it's all relative, you know, I mean, it's like what you consider a traffic jam. Other people would be like, you know, what the hell, you know? Yeah. I mean, a bad traffic jam means I get home 20 minutes later for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been in Brooklyn, the BQE local uh, traffic, especially with the pandemic too, you know, everyone's driving now. So it just seems like you think there'd be less traffic and there was for a while, but now there's even like, you know, it's, it's even crazier because no one takes it in mass transit. So. The problem we're presently having is St. Louis is starting to open back up again. So people are driving again and they haven't come to the conclusion that you can't drive like it's Gran Turismo anymore because now there are cars on the road. So we get these people driving 120 in rush hour and then I get home late. (laughs) But moving on, because I don't think anybody wants to hear about traffic. I that's pretty ridiculous. Um, (laughs) I want to start off with you know, I came to your music organically, which is something very strange for me in this point in my life. Most music, most new music I get into comes to me via, you know, promo stuff sent to me by labels and that kind of thing. That's where I start. But I saw somebody posting copy there because they had per, uh, purchased three copies of two, I, all the variants of Evil Eye. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at that cover and looking at that album and thinking, my God, that is the coolest damn record I have ever seen. I am interested. Awesome. Where does that come from? Well, I mean, I think everything starts with the vinyl with us. And, um, you know, again, it depends on whether you're a, a vinyl person or not a vinyl person, but assuming that you are a vinyl person, um, you can understand the appreciation of vinyl. And that's the, uh, the cover, the artwork, you know, the feeling you get when you get a piece of vinyl and, and you look at it and you open it. And I think one of the motivations for the band, aside from the music itself, was, you know, just to get that feeling that, um, you know, OK, we're doing this ourselves now. Why not make it something special? You know, because that's something that we'd want to have, you know, if we went out and bought it. So, you know, color variants, you know, um, having things like gatefolds and albums or, or, or die cuts, things like that. It's not overly complicated. It's not difficult to do, but I think it brings uh, a lot, as much pleasure as the music itself sometimes. So, you know, there's always been a love of vinyl. I've got lots of records. Uh, Just to give you an idea, let me move my microphone a little bit. Hopefully that's not too bad. That's nice. That's me. Nice. Uh, 
I started in 2015. Nice. I'm up to about 700 now. There and you go. It's, it's, it's gotten ridiculous. I've lost track of how many albums are in the mail. Present. So there's always too many and there's never enough. Yeah, I had to buy. The reason why the, the shelves are different colors is because I ran out of room. But I started cleaning them because I learned you were supposed to clean them. I didn't, I didn't know that. And so I had about 150 on the floor. <laughs> moving from the cleaning pile to the clean pile to the listen pile. Yeah. And then I went to Ikea and I'm like, oh, I'll just buy one of those Ikea things. Right. And they didn't have black. Oh, right. But I thought, okay, well, I waited a half hour outside of Ikea in a stupid mask. I'm buying whatever color they have. Okay, white meat. There you go. It looks terrible, but it is what it is. No, not at all. I've, I've had that one before. I've had it before. So. No, I mean, it looks terrible because they're different colors. Right, 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 right. But I guess I can live with that. What I'm going to end up doing when I run out of room here is I'm going to get another calyx and then put a third calyx on top of it horizontally <laughs> make sure it's secured properly and make sure it's got a lava lamp on top of it as well too that's really what sets it off no one's looking at the shelves they're looking at the lava lamp that is an actual lava brand lamp i will have you know oh very nice uh, is that like I, a thing? it's not going now i know the blue base but the, the multicolored thing is pretty awesome i don't think i've ever seen one like that before i got it at one of the um one of the not secondhand but uh, closeout stores i forget which one it was 15 bucks Oh, and I, I thought fifteen bucks for an actual lava lamp. Yeah, I'm buying that. That's great. I do regret that I didn't buy the Obama lava lamp. There was a they have an Obama. <laughs> it was like thirty six inches tall, and it was even tackier than that. Was it? Is his picture on it, or his head, or is in the shape of Obama? I mean, I can't imagine. A little bit of yes of all of that, oh, and the presidential I've seal on the, on the lamp. Uh, they had it at. There's a local drugstore here that's no longer a drugstore called Globe Drugs. It's uh -huh. the greatest closeout store I've ever been to. Oh, wow. Because you literally have no idea what they're going to have when you go there. But uh, moving on a little bit, are you aware that you have the most original colored vinyls I've ever seen? Huh. I was not aware of that. I, you know, I see, you know, now that with this Instagram, the world of Instagram, you can like see so many different color variations uh, and what other people have. <clears throat> I will say that, that there is a real science to, uh, I had no idea, but uh, you know, I've learned over the years that there's a real science to picking out color combinations and this concept of trans, uh, translucent or transparent versus opaque and the way you mix them and the colors that you add and so much, it's almost, I'm not a rocket scientist, but you almost feel like you're doing mathematical formulas to try and it, create the best uh, versions. What, as I've gotten more and more into colored vinyl, which I mean, I, I, I like it better because it looks cooler. I, I'll admit it. It doesn't sound any different. I don't care what anybody says. It sounds the same. Vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. They got to dye it black. You got to dye it, you know, purple, whatever. Right. But I have noticed that there is a about, it seems like 60 to 70 different like swirls and they're all the same. Right. Somehow you have completely avoided that. And that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I think you got to pay up for that somehow, but it, it, the plants are like getting a little more inventive because there's probably a little more competition. So I mean, I'm always looking at, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with stealing other people's ideas too as well. So, I mean, I'll see ideas and I'll take a photo of it and I'll be like, okay. Oh, consider that for later on you know <laughs> the scheme well, comes along. I'm, I'm not above stealing ideas believe me 
Paul Stanley put it best when he said, "Everybody steals. Just make sure make sure you're stealing a diamond." <laughs> there you go. It's not stealing; it's an homage. Well, he called it stealing, but he's Paul Stanley. He could say whatever he wants. Well, yeah, I mean, especially you know, I mean, I I think he's doing okay. Um, yeah, he can't sing anymore, but he's still doing okay. Didn't he have a solo album out now or something like that? I heard he has. And I'm I'm a Kiss fan, a big Kiss fan, and a completist to an extent, but he has an R&B soul record out now. Right. Do you know what I have no interest in hearing? A Paul Stanley R&B soul record. Yes. There you go. <laughs> he said he's doing it so people will hear these songs and help elevate them to their rightful place in music. Oh, I'm sure all those songs were thanking Paul Stanley for. Uh... If that is not the most arrogant thing I've ever heard, and I talk to myself, so I mean, I hear a lot of arrogance, but my God. And then on top of that, he put half of its originals. Oh, really? He wrote wrote R&B standards, his own R&B standards? Correct. Wow, that's impressive. Now now I... Myself, it's if it's streaming on YouTube, maybe I'll go check it out. I yeah. can't tell. I can't promise I'll last long, but I, hang on, let's, let's. I might check it out a little bit. I it if you listen to it, tell me how it is because I'm not. Oh yeah, okay. But in, well, in fairness, I'm not exactly a big fan of soul and R and B. Right. But I mean, I got a couple things you know here and there. I've got one that I bought from Alive Naturals, Alive Records because it had. Uh, the Black Keys were backing up an old guy from the 60s. And I thought that oh, was yeah. it. I don't remember the name of the album or the name of the guy, but I have it somewhere. Right. And yes, you can listen to Soul Station on YouTube. There's so much Kiss, there's so much kiss to listen to that, that, you know, I mean, again, you got only so many hours in the day. So really, if you're going like to like to listen to some vintage Kiss, you're going to be tempted to try Paul's. I mean, I, I'd even go back to the original uh, Kiss solo records before I, uh, before I tried something like that. You know, I would too, and I hate three out of four of them. <laughs> so does everyone else. Everybody who's not a Kiss Uber stan, which <laughs> I am, I'm not. I, I I will tell you, like the last Kiss album that I purchased, I finally acquired a copy of probably their worst album, Animal Eyes. Oh, that's is that the one with um? That's not the one with Hel- Heaven's on Fire. Is yes, it one? is. It yes, is. Yes, I'm it is. sorry. I got to tell you, I like that song. <laughs> I no, I it. love that song. That song is great. I love it. Thrills in the Night is okay. Right. And then it's got the rest of the album that shouldn't have existed. Yeah, okay. And that's That's a reasonable opinion. The not on a Kiss fan forum, but the problem with Kiss was Paul Stanley was good for three to four songs an album on a good day. Ace Fraley was good for an average of 0.75 songs per album. Peter Chris couldn't write anything. And Gene Simmons, when he cared, wrote really, really well. The problem was he stopped writing really, really well on their third album. Wow. Then they put out 17 more. Well, I wonder how much prep they, they actually came into the studio with. You know, you read these books and these stories about them, and it's like, okay, you know, I mean, I guess you could do, you reach the point of you're just churning out records to make money, you know, and you've got to, you know, the record company wants it. But, God, do you think you'd have enough free time to at least, you know, Put a little effort in before you walk into the recording studio. And on their on their third album, their claim, and based on the quality of the third album, I, I tend to agree. Their claim was that their record label told them while they were on tour 
Hotter Than Hell is no longer selling, so we need you to go into the studio next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> Oops. They, they recorded the album in a week. There are three Wicked Lester tunes on it, revamped. Uh, Ace wrote one. A, w- one of the best songs on the album was a Wicked Lester song, which was the band they were in before Kiss. And <laughs> then Ace Fraley stole uh, Robbie Krieger's iconic solo from Five to One. <laughs> that song it's it's you can tell that it was rushed right right right. it rushed is a good way of putting it and but they they were a band that didn't want to spend their advances on recording right well so, I, you know i came to them with the live and to me i measure everything by the uh, that that the alive record and uh that is probably the most unfair comparison in the history of music yeah. you can't compare anything to that it's a i, I still love that record so much i do too I it, it was one of the uh, I got a copy on vinyl for Christmas. I've owned probably six different copies of that album in various stages of development and whatever. But it is the single greatest live album of all time. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I, I, I you know, there's a couple others I'd probably run up there as well too, and probably unpopular choices. But uh, and then you know when people tried out the same thing, oh well, you know, how they did all these overdubs on it and whatever. I'm like, great, it sounds awesome. I don't give a damn. How many things they overdubbed on the on the thing? It sounds incredible. Do you know why I don't care how many overdubs they did? It is the only live album I have ever heard that sounds like you're at the concert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I it's amazing like- that they were able... The only other, other album that remotely came close to that was Led Zeppelin's Celebration Day, and they needed 5.1 stereo surround to achieve that effect. <laughs> that is a good record, but yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, but Kiss did that. band in their prime, you know, and then Kiss was in their prime then, you know, and it's just it's just a great record from beginning to end. It was not. I will disagree. It was not their prime. It was their absolute zenith. Well, okay, fair enough. Unfortunately, it was eighteen months after their first album. (laughs) (laughs) Then I went back and to listen to the other ones, you know, and you know, you get some great songs, and then you start fixating on production and shit like that, and it's like, okay, whatever, you know. Their problem was they didn't have enough. They didn't ever have enough songs and they never put enough. They never valued the music and the album as much as they should have. Right. You know, the the biggest Kiss fans in the world, the biggest fans of any band are going to spend one one hundredth at most of their time listening to your music at your shows. All right. That's my opinion anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on, because... <laughs> We're going to fall down a kiss rabbit hole because um, <laughs> I, I will go there. There you go. But let's talk about um, your covers album a little bit. Okay. What what brought that on? Well, you know, we've been around since 2013. Um, and, you know, by the time we, uh, come, you know, came up with the covers idea, we'd basically done seven full albums and one of them was a double. Uh, and, you know, it was a lot of original music and it was fine. Um, uh and, and we, we felt like we were definitely progressing. But I think we felt like we needed also a breather, too. It was sort of like, uh, you know, maybe maybe it'd be fun to do a covers record. Maybe it'd be fun to give um, people who have followed our music or maybe people who haven't followed us uh, a chance to hear something that's less than 20 minutes long and that might be a touch more familiar, you know. Um, but I, we would not have done it if we didn't think it was going to be enjoyable to us. It was. It was not. It was hardly a calculated commercial move. It was more. I, I don't think anybody makes calculated commercial moves in music anymore, unless you're Madonna. 
especially when you're in, you're an instrumental doom metal band. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure instrumental doom metal is going to break. It's yeah. kind of like uh, a, a, an artist I really love. His name's James Legg. Um, nobody's heard of him. It's fine. I have not heard of him. Uh, Imagine blues. It, it's it's like punk blues. I call it psychobilly blues. Yeah, yeah. There's no term for it. Except he plays the piano. Uh huh. But it's not a piano or a keyboard. It's an electric piano. Ooh. Played through a Marshall stack and guitar pedals. <laughs> cool. It is. That I'm sure that's going to break any day now. Oh, here you go. It hasn't yeah. yet, but it could. Yeah, you know, I mean, so, uh, yeah, when we were thinking about this, it was like, okay, yeah, you know, at this point, we can kind of basically do what we want. No one's, you know, not necessarily going to care, but it would be fun. And we kicked around a couple of ideas, you know, as a ways of approaching it. I think it just kind of ended up where it turned into more of a democracy thing and we all threw in ideas about what songs we wanted to do. And um, it was a lot harder than I thought it would be, you know, so... Um, but the, the idea eventually was it was going to be fun. It was going to be easy. In some sense, it was. In other sense, in other uh, reasons, it was it was harder than I thought it was going to be. In in my humble opinion, a cover. Well, well, let's before let's back up a little bit. How would you define describe what makes a good cover? Like the sound of the of somebody doing someone else's song. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, exactly. It's it's the it's the uh, you're you're taking something. And you're doing another version of it that's different from the original. There's no point to to doing a carbon copy of the original. Now, what you do to that, you know, how you change that to make it your own and make it more interesting is somewhat complicated. Do you go off the deep end and you make it completely whacked? Do you try and stick to the original blueprint but change it up a little bit? Um, You know, we had the advantage going in. It was like, okay, well, these are all going to be instrumental songs. So right then and there, they were going to be somewhat different. We're going to slow them down a little bit. We're going to make them heavier. Um, But then the challenge was, you know, how are we going to make this um, interesting, interesting to the people that like our music and, 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 and justify its existence by saying, okay, this is different than, 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 you know, why don't I just listen to the original? Well, well, here you go. This is why. And I think in some points, we, uh, some songs we succeeded in other songs, I don't think we succeeded as much as we should have. Although, again, you ask different people and, and some of the songs that are some people's favorites are the ones that I think I think were least successful. So, you know, it's, it, 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 but that was kind of like, I had a, a couple of different avenues that I thought we could go down. We chose one in the middle. And I think if we did it again next time, we'd be a little more adventurous. Having said that, I think some of the songs were successful and some of the songs could have been more successful. Completely understandable. The way I would describe, des- describe, describe, let's use proper words with proper Bs. The way I would describe what makes a great cover is when you have both identities of the original artist and the performing artist at the same time. The best example I can give of that, and I'm, I'm not one for um, tribute albums to speak of. Right. A tribute album to me is a nice novelty to listen to once or twice, maybe. Right. But the the Nativity and Black tribute album for Black Sabbath, obviously, the best song I heard off of that one, and I haven't heard the whole thing because I never bought it, but the best song of that one was After Forever by Biohazard. Right, right, right. And I had, at that point in time in my life, 
I had only really heard Black Sabbath greatest hits. Mm-hmm. So I had never heard After Forever. I couldn't even tell you that Master, at that time, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have been able to tell you that Master of Reality even existed. But when I heard that song, when I watched that video, I could hear Biohazard and I could hear Black Sabbath simultaneously. That to me is what makes a perfect cover. Not necessarily, also don't don't go too nuts because if you go too nuts, it's not the same song and then it's not a cover. Right. Then you're Led Zeppelin. Right. (laughs) You're making your own stuff. Yeah, you know, I, again, it, it was kind of this, you know, and and I wanted, you know, hopefully, again, one idea was to uh, to try and bring a, yeah, bring a little Cloud State Satanic to whatever particular song we were doing, and um, what that means to to us and what that means to other people is, you know, again, it seems to change and move depending on 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 the song and the circumstances, but. I, I will tell you, with this has nothing to do with anything, but I think I finally figured out what the clouds mean. Oh yeah, what's that? And I, I and I felt really bad that I did just now. I just now figured it out. There, there are clouds of smoke, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, no. I mean, it, the, you know, the the name comes from a Flaming Lips uh, album, but does it? Yeah, yeah. There's a Flaming Lips record from the '90s called "Clouds Taste Metallic." Nice. And so, you know, we wanted a name that was a little more satany so <laughs> although cloud taste metallic would be well i think also the perfect name for a metal band as well too but i didn't want to get uh, confused with a flaming lips cover band so uh, i thought my my kittens want to play fetch oh nice there you go they just they but literally yeah. threw it at me i mean the whole stoner thing with the um with the smoke vibe thing as well too it kind of goes with that as well too so which is why we have rolling papers and we're looking at clouds, they satanic bongs. Is the next <laughs> word. Well, I mean, my personal advice in this day and age when it comes to music and when it comes to making, you know, a career out of music is find any way to squeeze a dollar out of it. You know, there's... It helps, man. It helps. You I know, mean, it's, it, it, circumstances have really changed dramatically for, for bands, you know, and so, you know, that's how you make your money now. You make it from merch. You make it from... Uh, you're not making it from Spotify, so you make it from merch and you make it from... You know, if you can sell downloads, if you can sell vinyl, if you can sell cassettes, you know, do it. You You know, I I think MC Lars put it best was it music's to a vast majority of fans stopped being a product and started being a service. Right. And I don't like that. I, I personally purchased the vast, vast, vast majority of my music. I mean, I don't pirate anything. That's for sure. I don't, I don't stream anything. Actually, a friend of mine, uh, an old label owner sent me a message last night saying, my girlfriend put out this song. Can you listen to it? And I had to sign up for Spotify to listen to it. <laughs> it's a Spotify is a chore. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a, a you know, an enjoyable platform. It's just, it's a chore, but you know, it's, it's weird. You know, you know, I had a friend who, who had thousands and thousands of downloaded songs that he got for free and he was so proud. And I was just like, well, that's great. You know, first of all, you're never going to listen to all these songs that you got anyway. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's quality. It's not quantity. It, and it's like, and, and trying to explain to someone the, uh, the joy you get from having the, the physical object in your hand, as well as, you know, as well as listening to it uh, and enjoying it, um, you either get it or you don't. Completely agree. And I was like that even before I switched to vinyl. I always bought CDs. Right. And, and now I only buy, I only buy vinyl now and, a lot of people will ask me this, you know, I'll get a lot of the same questions from people living 
in you know this current century that I choose not to live in because it sucks. But <laughs> you know, they'll say, "What about the bands that don't release vinyl?" Well, I'm sorry, but I accept the fact that I can't buy every album I want to own. And if you don't put it out on vinyl, it just makes it easier for me to exclude you. Yeah, I mean, how many hours of the day do you have to listen to music anyway? I mean, it, it, with with the with your life as it is. So, I mean, you know, there's occasionally I'll 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 I'll, I'll use uh, Bandcamp or I'll use Spotify or I'll use YouTube as a shortcut. I remember with this record, we I spent the month of March packing records day in and day out. I mean, literally like, you know, weekends. So I had a plenty of listening time. So uh, it, sometimes it was easier just to, uh, you know, put on, a, you know, a, an album on YouTube and just like, oh, okay, I've heard of this band. Let me check it out. You know, and I put it on and I'm packing and I'm packing, you know, and time flies by. So it gives you kind of like, you know, a way of just like, you know, previewing some stuff and go, oh, wow, that's really awesome. I should get that. I should buy, me, their, I should buy their vinyl. You know, I've got, you know, being a semi-pro music journalist, I've got a pretty significant digital library. And I listen to that on shuffle when I'm at, when I'm sitting at my desk on my phone. And I use it like I used mixtapes when I used to ride the buses back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I may listen to my mixtape and go, oh, Testament. I haven't listened to Low in a while. <laughs> then I come home and listen to listen to the CD. Right. That's, that's kind of how I see it now. But I'm never going to be a streamer. You know, I'll watch videos on, but I, I, I don't watch videos on YouTube or use YouTube in order to just listen to music. Right. It's, I want to watch, you know, a Weird Al video. I want to watch an Iron Maiden video. I want to, that kind right. of thing. It's the never. idea of having a piece of music on a physical thing. And, you know, maybe it's just because I'm old and almost dead, but that's how I grew up. You know, when the, the times in my life when I only got new music at Christmas, right. Christmas was fucking awesome. It's like, yeah. oh, four new cassette tapes. I remember the year I got a CD player and I got 10 CDs. I had 10. It's like, oh, wow. Now it's like, okay, well, I guess I could listen to the entire library of recorded music on Spotify, but that's <laughs> not the same. And, as part of as part of the shipping process, you know, I, I go to the post office basically every day, like a couple of times a day. So, I mean, a couple of months ago, the um, uh, one of the newer women there was like, "Oh, you got just selling you're selling records, yeah? What is in here?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, it's vinyl, vinyl." And we got into like a discussion about, you know, I tr- I tried to, you know, I'm saying in addition to like, you know, enjoying the concept of 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 having the product. I was trying to explain that I feel like, you know, a vinyl record is something you can share with your family. It's a social thing. You know, if you got friends over or something like that, you put on an album and you play it. And it's like, you know, it's only one side and you got to flip it over. But but the, 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 the involvement of the physical aspect of it and putting it on, you know, you're trying to explain. It's like, you know, this is something that you do as a group. This is a social activity. And it's not just like, you know, enjoying the album cover. She goes, oh, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, my mother used to put on this record. And she literally, I think the next day, went out and bought a turntable, bought a record player, and started buying vinyl. I am not trying to get more people to buy vinyl. Huh? Let me be clear. I'm not trying to get more people to buy vinyl because then there's less for me to acquire. Right. There you go. 
you know, but I mean, of- I, I was it made me feel good that it was like, you know, and she was excited about the social aspect. And yeah, yeah maybe she's not going to go out, you know, buy a ton of stuff, but she got very excited about being able to play. But you know what? She can go to the thrift shop. She can go to the antique malls and yeah. find all this stuff that, you know, it's not, you're not going to find grade A top shelf stuff there, but you're going to get the stuff that you remember, yeah. you know, in, in some way. And it's going to mean something. And yes, nobody hangs out and listens to MP3s. Right. Nobody hangs out and listens to listens to CDs. We just don't do it anymore. Yeah. And yes, flipping them over does suck ass, especially <laughs> if you're playing an online video game. All right. So we're that's why I started friends like, or something like that. It's like, wait a minute, I'm gonna get you beer. Oh wait a minute, I gotta turn the record over. Hang on a second. That, that's when when I started playing online video games again, listening to vinyl. That was when I put like five in a row so I could switch it quicker. Not not have to you know choose one at that point in time, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's when uh, my when my best friend comes over and he's bought me and given me several albums over the years once I switched to it. And, you know, it's like, oh, I got this new record. I want you to hear it. I've got this new Johnny Cash album that because, you know, Johnny Cash is a great artist. But if you don't listen to vinyl, I doubt you could name five Johnny Cash albums that aren't that aren't Folsom Prison or American sure. Recordings albums. Sure. You just know the basics and then the basics to a backstory or you saw the movie and you right. know, that's your like, you know, but and, and that was the other thing too. Cause this also triggers like, you know, debates I've had with friends about music and bands. I remember those are the conversations I remember more than all, but I had one friend who was just like, you know, this is when that Radiohead record came out. Okay. Computer. I was like, okay. Computer is amazing. He goes, no, I like the Verve record better. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then we debate about Jane's addiction or whatever. And it's just like, you know, it's it's great. I mean, it's like it's you feel like you're invested in something that you know, socially and intellectually, and yeah, I don't. Well, you know, the the long running joke about vinyl is that you know the, the the meme that I've seen so many times is what I like about vinyl is the expense and the inconvenience. <laughs> I've seen that one. It's great. <laughs> you know why I love that? Because it's fucking true. I, I I started I started buying records because I'm laying in bed one night because I can't sleep and I'm thinking about my life and how I would never have to buy a song again in my life if I didn't want to. I can just download every song that's sent to me. Okay, how do I support these bands that I love? You know, I learned about somebody new. Okay, great. Their, their music's awesome. How do I support them? Well, I'm not going to buy a CD. That's just stupid. Because I don't listen to CDs. Even when, before I started buying vinyl, I didn't listen to CDs. I'd buy a CD, rip it, put it in a box. Right. And those boxes are, are heavy. But, so I thought, okay, I'll just start buying vinyl. It's a thing again. And that's, that is literally how it started. Yeah. And so, yes, when I spend $25 on a record or $40 on a record compared to eight bucks for a CD, yes. The expense matters. Yes, the inconvenience matters because I can't listen to it in the car. I can't listen to it in the office anymore. My last job, I actually had a turntable in the office because I was the only one in there. So it was awesome. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was nice. And then I worked from home for eight months and I could listen to like my real stereo every day, which was even better. Now I got to work in a real office again. So I actually had a conversation with my family. I sat down and I said, you guys... I'm not going to have as much time to listen to records anymore. So it's much more important that I do it at home. And they just looked at me like, my God, what a tool. But you know what? I'm, I'm doing it. So it's fine. 
<laughs> you can and you care about that right you buy that record you spend the money you go through the inconvenience and you care about that thing that you got and that's the difference between some 15 free things that you don't care about versus one thing that you really do completely agree and you know it's one of the things that i've been doing because i'm an idiot is trying to track down the hard to find stuff that was hard to find when i was a kid like oh, yeah. uh and I've told this story too many times, so I need to retire it, but I'm not going to today. I, I recently acquired, thanks to my Joe Biden stimulus check, the DRI four of a kind on vinyl. DRI four of a kind. What is that? Dirty Rotten Imbeciles. Oh, why do I know? They were a hardcore band and then became a hardcore, then they became a person. Oh, right, 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 On vinyl. And that was, that was a uh, holy grail? Kind of. I wouldn't say Holy Grail. Um, I do have one Holy Grail of mine. Uh, Coverdale Page. I have Coverdale oh, really? Page on That's vinyl. an interesting answer. I don't think anyone else would have said something like that. Coverdale is that is that what that was? Yeah, that was kind of a, a early late eighties, early nineties thing. So the vinyl would have been minimal back then. Nineteen ninety three. Oh man, and they never reissued it. Nope. There's talk of it in the coming. There's talk of it now. It was only pressed on vinyl in South Korea, England, and Brazil. Oh, that's weird. That's Guess really... which copy I have. <laughs> I'm sorry, what are the choices again? South Korea, England, or Brazil. South Korea. <laughs> Brazil. I have Brazil. <laughs> so close. <laughs> but the, so the label is in Portuguese, except for the... the oh, that's, see, I love stuff like that, too, that is from another country. I used mm-hmm. to love those Black Sabbath bootlegs, you know, the, the cheap ones that were made in Russia and the, with the photo photocopy covers you know and the russian writing on them you know i was like this is these are so cool i mean i'm sure they sound like shit and they look like crap but they're great you know and i i i just love getting things that you don't i I love getting things that nobody would expect to see on vinyl on vinyl well it's shocking though that that record did not get everything has gotten reissued but it's interesting that record they are in the process now right i won't buy it because i already spent 100 bucks on this thing right 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 but it, it also is like a 55-minute album on one disc. so <laughs> That's long. It's lacking a little bit of depth in, in, in the bass. But it, it's a holy grail because I never thought I would be able to get it. Right, right. And for, uh, two or three years ago for Father's Day, I was, I was given a gift certificate from my family saying, you could buy one album of your choosing and we won't <laughs> complain about the price. <laughs> what i should have done was purchased the 300 hundred dollar motley crew self-titled record oh my god is that what they're going for now yes oh man yes, yes they are but i when it comes to those 90s albums and i i get really squirrely about laying any money on them because you know at, at that point in time vinyl pressings were a novelty right so right. does that motley crew album sound good at all I don't. It, it's weird. I'm like you're read, right in the middle of reading the dirt for the second time. I was like, hang on. Well, if you're getting up, I'm getting up. I'm gonna get a beer. It's so weird. It's like I, I've read it before, but I'm mean, like, yeah, man. I was like, okay, I gotta. I just, I was like, you know, yeah, I'm running out of things to read. And so, you know, I don't retain information really well. So it's like, when I read something again, six months later, it's like, wow, it's like reading the book for the first time. (laughs) That is, 
the dirt is like the the rock bio at, at the time anyway <clears throat> it was like my my okay i got i'm done done tapping out there was like like i used to read a lot of true crime when i first started dating my wife she suggested i read this book called a rip in heaven which was about a very serious um murder and sexual assault case that happened in st louis when we were both in high school and i read that book and it was written by one of the victim's sisters and i just was like done right i couldn't read true crime anymore right. and that's kind of how that book was so it's like i read the dirt and i'm reading the story about the phone and the groupie and i'm like whole no done i can't i can't do this anymore yeah, it doesn't really offer a lot of practical advice for the current musician. <laughs> it feels, it feels. It doesn't quite offer practical advice. advice for back then. That's right. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather read uh, about. Yeah, I get a, I'd rather go back. I think I get more information if I went back and read Hammer of the Gods again, and then gotten some like early seventies Led Zeppelin. Uh, I have actually not read that book, and I have read almost every rock bio there is. I think I like reading the auto bios because I like hearing justifications. Which of the kiss? Did you then you read all the kiss ones? Then which oh yeah, ones I, I've read uh, I've read all of the kiss autobiographies. I tried to read Paul Stanley's second book, but it was the biggest pile of trash. It was like a, a self help book. Oh man! Oh my god! But if you if you're interested in the kiss bios, here's my rating: Paul and Peter are tied for one. Gene is number. Gene comes in in bronze. And don't read Aces. I don't know if I did read Aces. I don't think I did. Don't I read Paul and Peter's. Paul and Peters are great because they're so bitchy and they right. hate everyone that they've ever known. <laughs> so the whole thing is them justifying their existence. There you go. Which makes for good reading. And I think I, I, think I, uh, I read another one too. There's one that was more geared toward their business practices, which is oh, what I find most fascinating. You know. The best Kiss book though is, um, oh crap, I can't remember the name of it now. I read it so many years ago. There, there was a book about the first two years. Oh, really? Just, just about the first two years. And it wasn't written by any one member of the band. So they're all involved in telling their story. It's right. basically, and that was the first time, that was probably the first Kiss book I ever read where I learned legitimately good new information. Mm -hmm. Like at their first, at their, the, the, oh God, what's the word? The show they set up the um, for all, for the media okay. showcase. Thank you. The showcase they set up. Uh, Gene actually set a fan's face on fire. <laughs> I do. Now I got to track that book down. Uh, <laughs> I got to find it. <laughs> so it's not making of the band, but it's something like that. Right, right, right. Um, let me. See. I'll Google it. <laughs> Technology. I'm Bring forth, you see, about 10 years ago, I used, to, I used to jokingly yell, bring forth the internet. But right. now it's not funny because we've all got, you know, it, in our pocket. It actually helps. My memory goes real easily these days. So I, I actually need, uh, I need Google. I, I agree. And it's, what's the name of that? It's, no, not I that. assume it's like, you can only get, it's not an ebook. You got to like actually buy a copy of it somewhere. I got it at the library. <laughs> there you go. We have, we have a great library in St. Louis, but it's, it's, I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like, it, it's an amazing, amazing book. But since we're back on Kiss again, who's your favorite member? Wow. You know, the go-to answer is always Ace, you know, because I don't know, everyone loves Ace. Um, 
But you know this this you know it's weird to me that they they all have like certain uh, personality quirks that I like about each that I like and hate about each individual one. I mean, I like Ace's personality and his guitar playing, but I can I can imagine him being a real fucking pain in the ass being in a band with him. Um, yeah, I could see that. You know, um, and Gene, you know, of course, everyone hates Gene, but, you know, all right. So, you know, if you do want to make some money, maybe, you know, you need some of his personality, you know. Yeah, but the thing about Gene is Gene is Gene is Donald Trump. He has actually not done anything to make money. He made money on everybody else's money. Oh, I see. Oh, there you go. Then I then take him off the list. All right. And then I'm going full on ace. Peter, I don't know. It's it's, he's the drummer. So, I mean, I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> you know i i found him somewhat interesting but yeah i think he like he, he you know i think i got from his book like a lot of resentment and and bitchiness and uh paul um i guess i'm gonna have to go ace uh crowd before, I'm ace. when i started playing guitar i was into super strats and then when i got really into kiss i bought a les paul yeah so guess who my member is um, yes and age. I, I also hated Les Pauls before that. <laughs> They're heavy. Uh, yes, yes, they are. But I, I didn't, I didn't know they could come in solid colors. Oh, in the eighties huh. and early nineties, nobody played Les Pauls. Right, right, right. Except for Slash. I only play Les Pauls. Uh, I only play Les Paul. Paul, just the one. There you go. What color is it? Black. Nice. Hang on, I'll grab it. Oh, I'll grab mine too. I don't play mine nearly enough, I'll admit that, but that is my guitar, man. Well, almost yeah, the pickups are a little different. Oh, you've no, you've got a standard, I got a studio. Oh, okay. But I, I changed the truss rod, put the Fleur de Lee on there. Ooh, nice. Because that's St. Louis. St. Louis is all about the Fleur de Lee. Oh, I didn't know that. Can you see? Oh, I like the skulls. Look closely. Look closely. You got to see them real close. Oh, that's cool. Did you put them on the actual things? Did you just change? Oh, they came on. You changed out the knob. No, I changed them out. Oh, nice. Uh, I like that. They've got little 13s on them, which is everything I do has got 13 at the end of it. Right. And then, of course, I've got the flirtily strap. Ooh. What year is it? 2011. Oh, okay. I got it new old stock, so it is weight relieved, but it's still really heavy comparatively. Oh, yeah. It it's uh, got the the four ninety four ninety eights set mm-hmm. in it, which is the the first Les Paul I ever played was probably about a nineteen ninety four Wine Red Gold Hardware Studio, uh-huh. and that to me is the Les Paul sound. That is the first Les Paul I played that I fell in love with. Right. So that was the that was the pickup set that I wanted. Mm. I have been considering changing the bridge to a super distortion because Ace Freely. Uh-huh. But I don't want to mess with it because it... If you like the sound of it, yeah, I get really hesitant about changing things around. Exactly. I mean, I, I've got four distortion pedals, so I mean, I can I can change the sound. Yeah, nice. I, I, because I'm really, really bad, I need a lot of distortion. So I... Oh, uh, no, boo-boo. Do not... Distortion is, uh, distortion is the key to life. I'm sorry. Well, I, I've got a, what is it, um, a Joyo, Joyo Overdrive into a Boss Metal Zone into a DoD Death Metal. Oh, my God. 
You run them all at the same time? Sometimes. Wow. What amp are you using? Uh, I've got a, an orange micro tear. Oh, nice. Yep. It's nice. the it's actually the first tube amp I've ever had. It's it's a hybrid. Right. Before that, I always played through a bass amp back in my 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 gigging days, as it were. I played wow. through a Marshall four by ten one by fifteen bass stack with an Ampeg SVT head. Oh man, yeah. It was it the V four? No, the SVT. It was in a bass. Were you bassist or you were playing a guitar through that? Guitar through it. Wow, that's hardcore. It. That's like highest material. <laughs> and then what I would do is then I would scoop the mids. Uh huh. So yeah, especially when I had my I had this Kramer, and yeah. <laughs> are you familiar with qu- the term the, the concept of quad buckers? Uh, I have never heard that term before in my okay. life. Only about eighteen people have, and I think seventeen of us had that guitar. So instead of it, it had two stack singles wired together. Uh huh. So it was two humbuckers at once. Oh wow, that's weird. Yes, it was awesome. What does it sound like? God. So what? <laughs> if how could you ever get rid of that guitar? Would you? Unfortunately, I did. Um, when I was growing up and getting old and not playing so much, my car broke down. I needed to put a thousand bucks work into it, so sure. I had to sell it. But then, about four years later, I bought an SG, and then uh, I asked my late father-in-law at the time if he would help me take a guitar and customize it to make it as good as a Gibson. And his response was, why don't I just buy you a Gibson? <laughs> that's a good answer. All right. I'll take that. There you go. So that's why I have a Gibson. Nice. Which don't need, but absolutely love it. Um, see what else we need to talk about. Uh, what single do you want me to play after this? We probably should have talked about this off air. Um, hmm. I don't know the one you like the best. I right, mean, I'm playing the Pink Floyd one. There you go. Yeah, I think I think the Pink Floyd one turned out really well, and so um and you know it's Wait, good you're t- not just you're not you're not just saying that because I love Pink Floyd, right? I'm saying it well, saying it because I love Pink Floyd, and if it didn't turn out well, I would I would have been more mortified than anyone because uh, fair enough. It, it had to be done correctly. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I like the way that turned out. I think it turned out really good. Yeah. Okay, that fair was enough. Uh, team David, Team Roger. Roger. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Um, what, um, what I have animal. said a million times is Roger can make Pink Floyd albums without the rest of them, but the rest of them can't make Pink Floyd albums without him. I'm an animals guy all day and all night. Oh my God, hang on, excuse me. Boo boo, put it down. Put it down, put it down. <laughs> Speaking of animals. <laughs> Uh, she is playing with my backup uh, cartridge. Oh, wait a minute, Kitty. Uh, about six, seven months ago, I updated my 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 cartridge and stylus, oh. and she was playing with the old one. She knocked it off the table and started playing with it. If she broke the needle, that's fine because I've got three backups to that one that I don't use anymore. So, all right. But uh, cats yes. will be cats. Kitties will be kitties. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but yes, I, I would agree totally, Team Roger. The Wall was a transformative experience for me. Absolutely, that's a, still a great record. I mean, yeah, all the Roger records, starting with Metal, and even some of the stuff pre the pre Metal stuff was, uh, you know, that that you know they got cooking. I always think that Live at uh, Pompeii is like probably I think it's the best concert movie of all time. Um, See, the thing about Pink Floyd for me is because I'm a live album person. If you put out a live album, I will give you money. I'm going to hem and haw maybe about it. Like, 
that last Iron Maiden live album. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But I bought it. Yeah, yeah. The Pink Floyd's Delicate Sound of Thunder. I don't know. It's I bought it. It's and, okay. I mean, it's you know. it's exactly it's okay. And I also have Pulse, and it's okay. I guess there really is no quality Roger live Floyd except for some bootlegs. And even the only then, thing they, the only thing ever released was the Wall live. Right, 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 right. Which, as much as I love that, I've also got Roger Waters the Wall live. And Wait, Roger Waters, that. The Wall in Berlin. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I've got all of the... If you release a version of The Wall, I will spend some money. What do you think of those records? Which ones? The the, the Roger alone doing The Wall. Uh, the Wall live in Berlin was actually how I acquired The Wall on CD originally. And when... Is anybody out there? The Pink Floyd one came out. They kept playing uh, Backs Against the Wall. Uh-huh. And I couldn't figure out how I knew that song so well until right. I acquired Live in Berlin again on vinyl last year. Right, right, it's right, on right. there. It's like, oh, but now to answer your, I, I'm avoiding your question. To answer your question, Live in Berlin is squiffy, but enjoyable. What's squiffy mean? Eh. Oh, okay. Could go either way. It's a little good, a little bad. It's, it's, I will yeah. say the the last track on that album is uh, The Tide is Turning After Live Aid or Live Aid Tide is Turning, whatever the name of that song is, from right. Radio Chaos. And that song is terrible. They, right. That should not have been, that should not have made it to the album. But Roger Waters' The Wall from 2015 is amazing. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Okay. It's the the version of Comfortably Numb from that album is better than any other live version of that song that's ever been released. Oh wow, that's cool. Now, but I mean, in fairness, it's easier to impersonate Dave than it is to impersonate Roger. Right. So that's why that's why it's the best. I remember seeing the show, the Roger show years ago. I guess he was doing stadiums, and I remember going. I kind of want to say four or five years ago, six years ago. Yeah, the twenty seventeen. Is this the life we really want? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, Played a lot of animals very, that show. Uh, it was very political. I saw it at Yankee yeah, Stadium. Yeah. Um, it was good. I mean, it was a good show. I mean, you say the, the, this. The, I mean, the the most of the songs are bulletproof, so it's really hard to like you know. The thing not about Roger, a, the one thing about Roger Waters, I will get on about, and negatively speaking, is the same thing I'll get on about negatively for Ace Frehley, aside from Spaceman, which was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, they both went down the wrong path as solo artists. Yeah, when you go see Ace Frehley, he plays 80, 70 to eighty percent Kiss tunes. He actually did a tour opening for Alice Cooper in Australia, where he only played Kiss songs. Wow, that's like, what people want to hear. Like three years ago, only played Kiss songs. I go see Ace Frehley because I want to hear Ace Frehley songs. Right, right, right. Roger is the same way. On that tour we're talking about, because I've, I've also had the live album from that tour. He did three songs off his latest solo record, and that when the rest was Pink Floyd. Yeah. Look, I get it. You wrote them. They're yours. But I'm here to see Roger Waters, the solo artist, too. Yeah, that's my. Point. You know, it's it is the you know as much as much as those guys were geniuses of what they did. Yeah, it's like you know it, it's part of the the greatness of those records was the you know the contributions of the other guys and the chemistry as well too. So, 
you know, you can translate some of that stuff to your new material, but if you're going to do it, you should own it, you know, and say, okay, you know, I'm not with them anymore. This is what I'm doing now. And, and here it is, you know, completely. And Iron Maiden, I think does the greatest way of, of handling that kind of thing. They go on a new tour and then an old timey tour, a new tour and an old timey tour. Right. Right. They're, they, that's why they're Iron Maiden. And that's why they're better than everybody else. But it, it bothers me. It's like, why should I go buy your albums if you're just going to play a couple of songs on this tour and forget about it? You're not standing behind the music you're putting out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But let me also say that is this, is this the life we really want? Is the best Pink Floyd record since The Wall? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I'm trying to think of what, uh, I mean, I can only, well, I'm sorry. Uh, what's the, um, I really love the, uh, the, the, the record after what was the, what the, um, final cut, final cut. I love that record when it came out. I love actually that. sitting on my turntable right now. Nice. My, my daughter walked up to the cover yesterday and she looked at it and she did this. This cover is boring. Why is this record cover boring? <laughs> She's 10. She was messing with me. <laughs> you play for her, then she'll really be bored. <laughs> oh no, she's she she's Team Roger. She she loves Pink Floyd. Right. She I mean she actually chose a side. I didn't even have to I didn't even have to tell her which side to choose. She knew which side to choose. <laughs> I found out when I I'm like we were at my office and back when I had my turntable there, and I brought in for her to listen to uh Dave Gilmore live in Pompeii. She's like, No, I like Roger. <laughs> I'm like, that's my fucking kid. Uh, so I explained to her what all these things on the cover mean, and then I show her the back where the soldier's got the, the knife in his back. She looks at me, she goes, whoa, this got dark. <laughs> it is a dark record. That's what I said. Right. It's a dark record. But the melodies are there. You know, it, it, it is it, as dark as it is, it's a very catchy record. The songs are there. You know, you can put it on and, and go, wow, these songs are really good. I'm not sure if I would get that from any... And everyone likes, what is that one that everyone likes? The uh, What God Wants, that record. Um, that, is, that's, is this the life we really want? Is that what that record is? Yeah. Okay. No, 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 oh, no. That's, I'm sorry, that's Amused to Death. Amused to Death. Yes. Amused to Death. So, uh, you know, I mean, to me, it's like, and everyone thinks that, that that's his best record since, well, I don't know, best by him. Uh, Hear me what? out. Amused to Death is the best Roger Waters solo record. But is this the life we really want? Is a Pink Floyd album. Okay. So yeah, he was like, okay, well, if you're doing Pink Floyd, I can do Pink Floyd too. Here we Except go. Except he does it better, because right. anyway, right. I gotta get it and I gotta check it out. Check out, check out, check out that one. It's if you're looking for political, yeah, he's got it. Is it and, on vinyl? Yeah, it's on vinyl. I got a. Um, I bought a copy. Got a, yeah, I've got actually all of them on vinyl, all the Roger Waters solo on vinyl. I'm waiting for a, my copy of When the Wind Blows to arrive from Sweden. What's that? It is an animated movie about nuclear war in England in the 80s. Side one is like David Bowie and Iggy Pop, and side two is all Roger Waters. Interesting. Never heard it. Interesting. Right, I checked that out too. But a dude in Sweden had it, so I gave him uh, 18 euros, apparently, which I don't know what that means. <laughs> 18 doesn't sound like a lot, so it should be fine. <laughs> 18 shipped. But I, I also did buy, I, I bought it like four weeks ago, so I'm getting a little concerned. Bootlegs, I'm all, I'm all for that. It's, it's like a surprise package when it comes in the mail. You never know what you're going to get. Well, I've never ordered anything from Sweden, so I don't know how to judge this. 
<laughs> Have you ever ordered anything from Sweden besides IKEA? Because that doesn't count. Oh, no, if I need IKEA, I go around the corner. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just go down the street. But I mean, there you go. Right, there go. I can't imagine though that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think again, stuff comes to Europe. The the the, uh, the plastic around it is going to be different. You know, it's just going to feel different. It's going to feel European or Nordic <laughs> or whatever. It's going to make it so much better. Uh, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, I mean, I got a few European. Like a, a friend of mine sent me a copy of uh, Robert Plant's. Not Manic Nirvana, but the one before it. Right. Uh, I got a copy. Of, I've got a European pressing of that one. Uh, he, same guy, also sent me a copy of Black Sabbath TYR on vinyl. Oh man, that's a great record. Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> it's a great record to say I've got. I like the Black Sabbath records that no one else likes. Although Headless Cross got a lot. I, I said I liked Headless Cross ones, and that got a good response. Moving on. Um, I'm not a Tony Martin fan. I get it. No, I, I have TYR. I've got Eternal Idol. Right. Uh, Forbidden. I don't on vinyl. Talk about bootleg. I bought a bootleg version of that, a vinyl bootleg of that. I think from Portugal, actually. Portugal. And boy, it is it is flimsy. But I you know I listened to it once. I was like, okay, I got it now. I added to the collection. Does it sound? Does it sound any good? Well, it, it would sound great if it wasn't for the music. <laughs> <laughs> it's those damn songs that are screwing up the uh, we we uh, I, i'm not going to say any more than this but my other podcast that i do with duncan evans we review we review forgotten records yeah and last week we recorded our episode on forbidden oh really okay i gotta see that that's all i'm gonna say we I've recorded gotta see that it uh, yeah we did forbidden last week so we've also the done Heather's Cross awful too. which got rave disreviews. <laughs> did um, Seventh Star. We did Born Again. We have not done Eternal Idol. We probably will. I mean, at some point we always go back to the Black Sabbath records because people like Born Again. There it seems to be a popular. I like Born Again, but hear me out. It's a concept album. Oh really? It is a concept album. They didn't tell anybody. Oh. There's a story there. I found it. I don't remember what it is, but it's there. That's the one that they um, they re they remixed and 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 did the, something called the Manor Tapes, which is or was it Born Again or was it one of the records? That's the one with the Deep Purple guy. Yeah, Ian yeah, Gil. Born Again. Right. So, well, they, well, also so Seven Star, a, boot, a bootleg vinyl version of the remix of that record. It's called the Manor Tapes. I guess it does sound better. Do you, you know, know why Born Again sounds the way it does? um i'm trying to remember the story of um when they mixed it a tweeter was out in this in the studio i'd never heard that before I never so they were it. mixing it based on a broken speaker <laughs> you get what you pay for so then when they listened back on vinyl they went what the hell <laughs> oh my god that's so sad did you even imagine <laughs> tony that? iomi come on tony <laughs> he's tried so hard he's out there slugging away by himself you know everyone else is gone not born again. Born again was the original band plus plus Gillen. Oh, it actually had Ward and uh, Geezer. That was the last. That was the last album that Bill Ward did on drums ever. Oh man, ever. That's another sad story. That's another sad. Story. Is it? Bill Ward. I don't know. You know, I always you know the whole reunion stuff, and you know, I always feel bad because he's a drummer, and they like don't think he can cut it anymore, and. You know, you read between the lines of all these stories, you know. Did you see Black Sabbath in 1999 on OzFest? 
<clears throat> no, I did. I, I did see a reunion show, but it wasn't Ozfest. Was it '97? Maybe. If you saw it in '97, you didn't see Bill Ward. You saw Mike Borden. Yeah, maybe I did. I saw both of those shows. With Mike Borden, it was Black Sabbath. It was funky. It was amazing. It had groove. Then next, then two years later, they came back with Bill Ward. And I'm like, yes, finally, the real Black Sabbath, the real band, all four of them. And then there was a three-minute break between every song. Because Bill Ward was tired. Yeah, that's sad. So when they say Bill Ward can't cut it anymore, <laughs> Bill Ward couldn't cut it in 1999. Yeah, that's sad. No, he chose to stop. Oh, as far as like, you know, I thought it was the drugs and the, the heart attacks and all the other like, you this know. Is, no, he, he quit playing drums way before the heart attacks. Oh, okay. He was going to go on tour for Born Again, but he went back into rehab after that. And then he just decided to stop playing drums. Oh, that's interesting. So The last guy they had uh, for the last tour was awesome. That guy was insane. I had no interest in that. Really? Yeah, I didn't. And, and I, I love Sabbath. And not, I, I love Sabbath unnaturally. Like, Dio Sabbath is my favorite. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, my, my first Sabbath album that I owned was Live Evil with Dio. So right. it kind of set me on the wrong path to begin with. I'll admit that. <laughs> but, you know, and I was thrilled that I, the only time I ever saw Dio was Heaven and Hell when they brought it back. Right, right. So I, I was thrilled that I got to see that before I died. Are you a Rainbow fan? Ish. Right. With, with Dio, I'm a Dio fan, and I love anything he's done besides Elf. Because Rainbow is Rising is an amazing record. I have, uh, I've got, um, I just got a Dio, a Rainbow album, but it's not Rising, I don't think. It's the one that's the the brown and black cover. I have that, and I have. Oh, um, are you talking about um, "Long Live Rock and Roll"? Yes, yes, that's the one. I've got that. That's one. great record too. I like that record too. But "Rising" is you know, that is the Dio Rainbow record. Is "Rising"? That's a great fucking record. I got those songs on in concert though. Is that the one with? Um, all right, that's the one with the the whitish cover with the the picture mm-hmm. with the rainbow with the electronic rainbow in the background. Yep, all, all like red and stuff. It's I'm a sucker for live albums. If you don't have a live album, I'm angry. Yeah, that's a good idea. We need to do a live album. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my to-do list. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We haven't done a live album yet. Did it come How many right? sides would it be? Because you, you write 20-minute songs. Yeah, that's the thing. And it, Well, I will say one thing. Our set lists are a piece of cake. <laughs> we get 40 minutes every show it's like you would pick two songs and we're done yeah we're gonna play our new album two tracks <laughs> the funniest time was was we played one song and then brian goes well this is our last song <laughs> one time he said something funny i was like holy crap that's hilarious it, it, it's like when i saw opeth i saw opeth at the sounds of the underground and i didn't know them at the time uh-huh. i was with my buddy he's like yeah all their songs are like 12 minutes and i'm like but they only get 30 <laughs> they played three songs there you go it makes it easier you know what it they, they stuck to the brand what can you say that's I, I i'll tell you you know uh, to me it's like a 20 minute song is you know is 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 three is is almost like basically three six minute songs 
So you just don't put a break in between or you do a fade out or something like that. It's basically the same music. It's just cutting it up differently. It's the same piece of cake. You just slice it. It's with so many slices. I, I would agree. The thing from, I like albums. I like listening to an album of music and, you know, I don't listen to, you know, I will always at least listen to an entire side. It doesn't matter if that one is a side has 20 minutes. Right. It doesn't matter if it's one song, three songs. One of the greatest albums I've ever heard was by a band called Eye of Solitude. They described uh-huh. this album as an EP, which is a lie because it was 58 minutes. <laughs> that's not an EP. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not an EP. <laughs> no, I, to me, it's, it's, it's Rain and Blood is the cutoff. Right, that's short. One record. Rain and Blood is a record. So if you're at 27, it's a record. Wow, yeah, that's right. That is a short record. If you're, but they called it a record. It's not. It's really yeah. an EP. But right. moving on, yeah. they they put out a one track, fifty eight minute album called I have Insa- uh, called Dear Insanity. Oh wow, it is. It's up there with the wall, but nobody's heard it. Oh wow, I gotta check it out. I have to check I, it. Out. It. I'm not completely ashamed to admit that it literally brought me to tears. Oh wow, a doom metal record brought me to tears. I said it. It happened. What's the name of the band? D- uh, Eye of Solitude. Eye of Solitude. Are they still around? Are they still functioning? I don't think so. They were on Chaotoxin Records and Chaotoxin. After Chaotoxin folded, I think they did one more and I never heard it. And that was it. Well, but, all right. I have to check that out then. But they, they also did, uh, they, did an, they did a concept album on Dante's Inferno. Oh, right, right, right. Which was amazing. That was like 120 minutes. So that one they called the double. That one, that one they called a single. They called that one an LP. <laughs> Call it anything you want. But yes, they put out a 58-minute EP in their minds. And it's amazing. It's it's truly amazing. And the thing is, is that could have been cut up into 15 right. tracks easily. Because it's 15 different movements. So you put out a 20-minute song. Rush put out a 20-minute song. Yeah. It's not that big a deal anymore. No, it's, I, I have probably more albums than most people that only have two tracks. Yeah. I've got like f- at least 50. Wow. Okay. There you go. I like long songs. What can I say? There but um, we're going to go way too long if we don't stop. So okay. we've already gone too long as it is because this has been an amazing conversation and I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. What do we need to know about the Pink Floyd cover? We need to know that it's a combination of two songs. One is uh, the first part is In the Flesh off the the very underrated wall record. Hang on, hang on. In the Flesh or In the Flesh? In the Flesh. The question Which mark. One? It's the question mark. It's the first song on okay. the wall record. Um, so I guess you are questioning. Although, now that I think about it, it is confusing because I thought that the second in the flesh without the question mark was when they had the substitute band. It was. Right. The question mark should be on that one. Right. So it made no sense to me, but no, yeah. Anyway, we, uh, we purposely went with the first one cause that one's awesome. Um, and that, that goes into one of these days, I'm going to cut you into little pieces. Uh, which has always been a favorite off of metal. On brand um, also. I'm sorry? On brand. 
on brand. Yes, absolutely. And uh, one inside secret is that there is a voice in the middle of that portion of the track that sounds deep and scary. And it's basically someone saying, one of these days, I'm going to cut you into little pieces in Latin. On your track or their track? On my on our track. <laughs> I think that's in English. And okay, I'm I'm clarifying. It's late. It's a long day. I apologize. That's right. No, I'm gonna go back now to listen to the one, and I'm pretty sure they they did it. In a, did it in, in theirs was English, and it was uh, Nick Mason. Absolutely. And I, I, I they recorded it at 45, and then played it at 33. Yeah, I mean, it sounds awesome, but we had to figure out a way of making it our own. So we figured, why not go? At first, it was uh, okay. Well, let's go all Satan, and then it's like, ah, hey, we'll just do it in Latin. That sounds Satan-y. Like. Latin Satan-y. Yeah, yeah. All so right. They, inside story. With that, Latin is Satan-y. Steve, thank you, everybody. Check out the track. It is awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nick. <laughs>